In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the video game The Last of Us Part 1, as well as spoilers for the first two episodes of The Last of Us on HBO Max. My name is Jason Concepcion. And I am Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, we are continuing our discussion of The Last of Us game, and things are about to get spooky, spooky. And in Nerd Out, guess what? It's another theory. I'm so happy about this. And this one's about the quantum realm from the next installment of the MCU, the highly anticipated Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Of course, if you want to jump around, check the show notes for timestamps and feel free to unspoiler yourself, but really (laughs) play The Last of Us. (laughs) All right, let's jump into it. Let's get into the airlock. Folks, we're stepping out of the airlock and back into the world of The Last of Us, the first installment of The Last of Us series for our ongoing coverage of Naughty Dog's iconic video game. Uh, Of course, uh, some quick facts behind the game. Uh, The game was published, Last of Us was published on uh, the Sony PlayStation 3 platform in 2013. Vintage. It It really is vintage. I can can still (laughs) see it. I can still see that beautiful console. I still have one. (laughs) I still have one. I still have two PS4s. Anyway, development began in 2009 after the release and and massive success of Uncharted 2. Uh, Neil Druckmann is the creative director and he led development of the game, creative director directing the writing of it, um, and the game is directed by Bruce Straley. Uh, voice acting and mocap uh, performances in this game are fantastic. Troy Baker as Joel, Ashley Johnson as yeah. Ellie, Annie Wershing as Tess, and Merle Dandridge as Marlene. Let's get into it. So this recap is going to cover uh, the second chapter, starting at the se- second chapter, The Outskirts, and the segments Outside, Downtown, the Museum, and the Capitol Building. Uh, and then we are going to end up at the Billstown chapter with the segments The Woods, and safe house. And judging by the way the show's going, I think this is a perfect time to jump into this portion of the game. We open up with Joel and Ellie together now, heading off into the ruins of the open city. Ellie heard the shootout at the Firefly safe house. She asks Joel, what happened? Wait, what the fuck do you think happened? <laughs> uh, <Joel laughs> Did says, you hear those guns? Yeah, didn't you hear it? Joel says, Firefly, same thing that's going to happen to us. If we don't get off the streets, we hear loudspeakers carrying Fedra's warning that harboring criminals, including the Fireflies, is grounds for immediate execution. They'd uh, love then, to execute someone. They 
Fedra is very, very keen to execute. Uh, and so Joel and Ellie have to have to skedaddle. They cut through some abandoned buildings. They head for Joel's place. Ellie asks Joel if this is the first time he's ever smuggled a person, a kid in particular. He said, no, that's a first. What's the deal with you and Marlene anyway? And here we get some some really interesting expo. Ellie says that, uh, quote, she knew my mom and she's been looking after me. Uh, Ellie has no idea where her parents are now. Uh, Joel probes some more, but Ellie lets him know that uh, she's under orders not to tell Joel anything that might be a clue as to why she is so important. Uh, But Joel would like to um, present himself as someone who actually doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He He says, yeah, he doesn't care. He says, the one to know the best thing about my job, I don't got to know why. I could give two shits what you're up to. Now, uh, I think that that's not exactly true, but <laughs> uh, but it's certainly the the mask that that Joel puts on. Um, just like in the show, uh, Joel mm-hmm. and and Ellie head back to his apartment, and the second after arriving home, Joel hits the couch and back to sleep again. We've got this f- really interesting inversion of the cold open of the game, where yeah, it was Joel awake. And his daughter, Sarah, asleep on the couch. And now you've got Ellie awake and Joel, tired old Joel, <laughs> mm-hmm. needing a needing nap time. Ellie's like, what do I do? What am I going to do? And he's like, I'm sure you'll think of something. And then Ellie gives him that little stinger. Again, same as in the show. Great dialogue. Your watch is broken. When Joel <laughs> wakes up. It's raining. Ellie is telling him that he mumbles in his sleep. It's a testament to how good the remastered version is and even how good the original was yeah. at suggesting emotion that you really feel like Joel in that moment is wondering, oh, like, what the fuck? Well, I wonder what I said. Like, a yeah. little concerned about what he might have said. Yeah, you get a really great one of those visual moments, too, of Ellie looking out of the window, which, you know, they re- basically replicate directly in the show, totally. which is so lovely. But I definitely remember that being one of those... That was one of those visuals that you sort of couldn't escape on the internet. Ellie looking out of the yeah. rainy window kind of as, and they're really setting up this great space where, oh, Joel, he's this reluctant, you know, it's it's Lone Wolf and Cub. It's that classic yeah. thing. He doesn't want to be burdened with this child, but here she is and she's got this wonder about the world, which I think people are starting to kind of get to see in the show. And we really start to get to see on the next part of their mission. And by the way, Pedro Pascal in two Lone Wolf and Cub inspired stories. This man loves a baby. He loves a baby. This man loves to move through a dangerous world with a child who depends on him. He absolutely (laughs) is the king of that role. Ellie tells him, I hate bad dreams. And she is watching the battlements of the QZ as spotlights are kind of swinging to and fro out there, right outside the walls, looking for any threats that might be out there, looking for anybody who might be sneaking out. And Ellie, of course, has never been outside the walls of the QZ. Mm -hmm. Joel, again, who just minutes earlier in our gameplay, hours earlier in the fictional reality of this story, claimed to not give two shits, actually might give a singular shit about Ellie because he then asks again, what, so what the, What do the fireflies want? What's the deal? But of course, before she can answer, Tess returns. Tess says, 
If you remember where we left off, Tess, after the confrontation at Firefly HQ, um, Tess went to go scout the merchandise, guns in the case of the game, a cache of guns. And uh, she has now come back and has seen the goods that Marlene promised them. And, and she says, yeah, it's all there. It's legit. It's an impressive haul. We're good to go. Joel, she loves however, guns. She's she, like, give me those let me, guns. Let like, me tell you I want these guns, please. She loves guns almost much as much as Ellie loves asking for guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect comparison. She's stoked about these guns. She's like, I will smuggle this child because yes. these guns are real. Joel is really worried about this mission. It's nothing like they've ever done before. It's a, it's human cargo. And he doesn't understand if why if Marlene is in command of mm-hmm. the Firefly militia, they don't just use their own people. Now, apparently, putting two and two together, they don't really lay out the details here. But I think what this suggests is that Fedra's campaign against the Fireflies has been devastating. And yeah. that, you know, whatever manpower they have left, it's not a lot. Marlene needs Tess and Joel. Definitely. And also, like, there's this implication that the fire, the Fedra is, like, sowing discord among the survivors in the quarantine zone and the Fireflies by kind of creating these violent campaigns that kind of pit the Fireflies as these mm-hmm. terrorists. When we know that Fedra are, like, fascists who are just, you know, executing people willy-nilly, even though the QZ is great, there's, there's problems on either side. And, yeah, the Fireflies, the Fireflies and Marlene need Joel and Tess. It's very hard for a game like this where you know the narrative is headed in a certain direction yeah. to make you feel like the characters are making organic choices. But Joel questioning the Fireflies feels so real. You're like, yes, he is right. Like, why Why is this? This is so different from pills. This is so different from guns. This is different even from murdering people. But you have to kill a lot of people to be able to be in a lone wolf and cub situation. So it fits the trope, but it's not, it doesn't make sense in the world and economy that they know. So yeah. I love that he's not just like, yeah, better do it because my daughter died. You know, they don't use the easy answer. They set it up in a way that makes you believe that Joel is wary, that Joel does not want to take on this burden. It's such a good, underrated wrinkle, but really wonderful generator of drama in both the video game and the show is the fact that Tommy has joined the Fireflies and that was kind of the source of this of the of the uh, the tear in the relationship between Joel and Tommy really the only people that each of them have left is are each other and mm-hmm. the fact that they would be torn apart like this tells you that it was it was really a big deal and dramatic and it makes sense that Joel just would not fucking trust It's an added the like you said a great it's a great like personal wrinkle that makes this strange unexpected gun run become something so much more complex They head out the three of them together outside of the walls they take a tunnel get out beyond the wall and now they have to sneak out from under the gaze of the Fedra spotlights and the various patrols and Ellie is 
thrilled despite the danger. This is an adventure. Everything outside is like mud slicked because it's it's a downpour. There's like these huge craters and stuff and lots of wreckage, but she's having a, a, a fantastic time. She's never been beyond the walls before. Now, they don't get far in their little sneak before a guard knocks Joel to the ground. Um, there's two guards, actually. It's a two-person patrol, it turns out. They radio in for backups, and now the clock is ticking. They do the thing that they're trained to do by the book, and they test the people they've caught. Tess, negative. Joel, negative. They're about to do Ellie. Ellie knows that she's going to come up infected. She gets her knife out. She stabs the soldier. And unlike in the show, shit just immediately goes— Yeah, there's goes, no relationship between Joel and these Fedra soldiers in no, the game. It this goes is murder just, level you right have away. to kill him. Yeah, it goes you murder level. You have to kill them. Tess is a murder, death-dealing machine, <laughs> so she doesn't care. Joel is dead inside because of his loss, and so they're dead, and you better get ready because you're going to—you killed—by this point, we've killed a lot of, you know, Robert's men, of drug dealers. Now we're going to have to start killing some Fedra agents. So if you ever wanted to kill some soldiers, whew, this is it's it. about to be happening. So Joel takes down the one that Ellie stabbed, Tess takes out the other one, and, you know, it's just interesting to think about— at this point in the game, it's been, uh, you know, not counting the flashback to, you know, whatever year that, 2003 or whatever year that was. Yeah, the prologue. Um, the prologue. It, it's been about a day. And mm -hmm. your mileage may vary depending on how you play. <laughs> but Joel and Tess have probably killed 15 people apiece yes. at this point. Oh, at least, <laughs> at least. And it's, it's, I do think it's one of the most interesting things about the game and one of the most interesting things, you know, we talked about this. As you probably noticed, if you've been listening to our coverage and watching the show, this is, we are getting into to second episode territory here. Oh, like yes. We are yes. about to venture into the, the real second episode. And what's very interesting is how coy the show is playing it with how dangerous humans are in this world. Mm -hmm. Because that is going to be a gut punch to Ellie when it comes. Because in the game, you kill so many human people in the QZ before you ever kill a zombie. But in the show, that is just not the case. We see death, smart, we see destruction. Change. It's such a smart, smart change. change. Because also, it, in the game, you have to kill people because that's the nature of these kind of games. It's a shoot 'em up it's an adventure game. It's kind of a combo, almost a first-person shooter. There's all different things that are built into the gameplay, and that's just the nature of what you need to do. But in the show, it's really about grounding it in this humanity and also in Joel's journey of, mm. of coming to terms with how many people and how many zombies, how many clickers, how many infected he has killed. That's what we're getting to see in the show is a Joel and a Tess who are tired. This is Joel and Tess who have already done the terrible stuff that you have to do in the game, and they're kind of sick of it. And I think it's really interesting. But yeah, here, this is all-out war, Tess and Joel. <laughs> Ellie is shocked by this. <laughs> she's just I mean, like, what She's like, holy shit, these... <laughs> Probably realizing she's not uh -oh. in a good position as yeah. someone who just tested positive for infection with two strangers who love to kill. She is absolutely shocked by this violence. Uh, Joel and Tess realize that Ellie has tested positive. Uh, Ellie panicked now because she just watched these two people 
commit murder, like, without any compunction, without any hesitation And they were adults, armed yeah, they adults. Were ready to do it. Pulls up her sleeve, and she's like, look at this bite. It's three weeks, it's three weeks old. It's healed. Like, have you ever seen this before? Like, I'm not, I'm not sick. Do I look like a zombie? I'm not going to get you mm-hmm. sick. And Joel has, like, heard this before. He's heard about people who've claimed to be immune before. He doesn't buy it at all. But they can't come to a decision in that moment because Fedra, the backup, is here and they oh, need to get coming. out of here. So now they're they're uh, back in that little moat proper, dodging uh, the QZ forces, dodging the spotlights. Soldiers are everywhere. This is a really, really fun and tense, uh, sneak-heavy portion of the game. Yeah, and this is like really that moment. We kind of touched on it in the last episode when we were talking about this. But this is that moment where your gameplay strategy is going to start to come into play because I tried to go hot and heavy killing every soldier I saw and I died so many times. They set you up by the opening of the game being all about kill, 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 kill. Then you get here and you learn actually so often the easiest way to survive is to not kill and to use stealth and to sneak. And if you need to, to sneak up on someone grab them with a triangle and strangle them with a square, you know? Like, yeah, we've right, done yeah, it many yeah. times at this point. But, like, get I think the, it's a... Get the it's shank a, out. Yeah, get the, get the shiv. Bop, bop, bop. But, like, it's a really... It's a really good tone switch, and it, it's one of those smart storytelling where it almost kind of... It sets you up for one thing and then pushes you into a totally different style of gameplay. And it's this is such a fun, spooky segment because you're kind of... If you get caught by the, you know, the the massive spotlights, then they'll find you and they send more soldiers and you really got to be sneaking. And it's not just you. It's you. It's Tess. If Ellie. And sometimes if, if you if you get seen, then they'll get seen and you have to kind of yeah, help them extremely escape. Extremely tense. Whew. So you got to be stealthing. That's the best tip here. Stealth, stealth, stealth. X-ray vision will be back. Chapter one. Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood," she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trinsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love chapter two. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. And we're back. Eventually, they get out of there, uh, exit through some ruined buildings, and then it come out of a sewer pipe near what used to be an overpass. And it's here that Ellie, you know, again, surely concerned that these two could just murder her outright, tells them what the Firefly's plan was. It was to get her out of the QZ, and apparently there's a secret lab somewhere out there to the west where scientists are working on a cure. And, of course, Joel and Tess have heard all of this snake oil shit before. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 they're not impressed by this. It's been Mar- 20 years. 
20 it, years of no cure, no vaccine, nothing. When Ellie tells them that, uh, you know, Marlene says I, I'm the whatever is making me immune is the key to the vaccine. Joel's like, okay, that's it. I've, I, I've, I've heard enough. I've heard this before. It, it's very clear that there is no part of Joel that is willing mm-hmm. or ready to, uh, to hope again. Uh, and certainly if, even if there was a chance, it's much too slim to risk a trip across open country all mm-hmm. the way to Wyoming or wherever the fuck they're going. Uh, Tess, however, maybe somewhat surprisingly wants to try, although yeah. in the game, unlike in the show, it reads more as self-interest. Hey, Yeah, she wants she wants the guns. She, she wants, wants the guns. What she was promised. But I like, this is the best thing about a good adaptation, right? Is that it adds context to something that you already love. And if yeah. you don't love the adaptation, the other thing still exists. But I think in this case... When I've been replaying it, I was just from what I've seen in the show, Tess's decisions were seeming like they had this extra weight to them. Like maybe it was a little bit of hope that she was scared to show Joel. It wasn't wasn't just these guns, which she was going to get from Robert anyway. So like suddenly she has to do this whole extra mission. Why would she want to do that? Why wouldn't she be just as reluctant as Joel? I I love that it kind of adds this this elusive kind of like moral complexity to her choices. But yeah, you when you're playing from what you've seen of Tess, you think it's the guns. She yeah. wants those guns. She For she sure. wants what she's and 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 the state houses, the Capitol, you know, Capitol building's not far away. Um, I agree with you. And I feel like in the game, well, it back up. In the show, the relationship between Tess and Joel, I think you're exactly right. And I think episode two supports this and that this idea that Tess was really the more hopeful one all along, mm-hmm. but it was hiding mm-hmm. that part of herself from Joel. Yeah. Because she just understands that Joel, like when she snaps, we talked about this in uh, our Wednesday episode, when she snaps and says, can you just take the good news for once? You understand in that moment that the, that her frustration with Joel for never hoping, for never, you know, holding out any kind mm-hmm. of um, um, wish that the future could be better really kind of wears on her, but she's yeah. been keeping quiet about it. In the game, there are two peas in a pod. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's Tess. And it seems like she's the leader. She's the yeah, beacon. She, and Joel's kind of this empty vessel he's just following the her. He is just lost, and he is just wants to do anything in the game that will deaden the feeling of loss and tragedy that he's carrying around, whereas Tess is just a a creature of rage, just lashing Mm -hmm. out, killing everybody. A good change, I think, from from games. It's it's a really nice expansion on someone who was essentially a side character that was given so much more weight that even people who knew Tess's fate expected her to last longer in the show than she did. Uh, on the trek to the state house, we learn from Tess and Joel's conversations that the military bombed Boston and most of the big cities in a kind of vain attempt to stop the infection. Although uh, I guess you could argue in Boston, it kind of worked. It, it worked, but it kind of just pushed the infected inside. Yeah. That's kind of. And also, I will say this is the moment in 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 this in the game and and in the second episode. This is when. If you've played the game and you're watching the second episode, or if you've watched the second episode and now you're playing the game to catch up, 
you're going to start acting like Leonardo DiCaprio in <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and pointing, pointing at the screen and going, oh, because they just, they are just absolutely just, it's so wild to see something so directly adapted, not just in visual aesthetic, but in writing, like to trust the writing of a video game to carry in a prestige TV show and to hear these lines is just so cool. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, eventually, they get to the Capitol building, and it's here that our heroes encounter, and you as the player encounter your first clickers, the first, like, really, really dangerous boss-level enemy. Uh, they are dangerous. They are super aggressive. Of course, they cannot see, but they have pinpoint uh, acoustical qualities akin to sonar and bats. And if you make any kind of noise, they will immediately key in on you and they will fuck you up. So now you as the player moving Joel have to move through these ruins in dead, sli dead silence. And this is when in the game you will probably begin to really lean on distractions, bricks, mm -hmm. whatever, to kind of throw yeah, and lure the clickers away. Picking up, like, melee weapons to fight yes. them with, like, pieces of wood, pipes, stuff like that. Um, now, there was a, you know, in our Discord, we've been discussing this Kotaku article that uh, takes the opinion that The Last of Us would be better if it was more like the game, basically saying, you know, why isn't there more crafting? I, I, I'm paraphrasing, and and the and the piece is worth reading uh, as a as a kind of perspective. Um, you know, why isn't there more crafting? Why don't they turn a Coke bottle into a silencer? Why don't they throw bricks to distract? I, I. Take the point, but I actually love the way the clicker encounter went down in the show. It just felt like much more grounded. First of all, there mm -hmm. are so many more things in the world, yeah, literally everywhere all around our characters that could have been used to distract the clickers. When Joel runs past the display case and pushes it over, you can't do that in the game, right? You can only mm -hmm. interact with like fucking bricks, bottles, and pipes. Yeah, things you and, can basically add to your... Yeah. Yeah, your pack. I think that's a really great point. And also, I do think personally that there are so many moments, especially in the second episode, you know, uh, where we see like Joel binding up Tess's foot, which is essentially the same as using a med pack. Yeah. We see uh, Joel, some, boosting, Joel, Joel boosting, boosting Tess. That's yeah. what I was going to say, which is a, such a big moment. And sometimes you can get glitchy if they don't give yeah. you the boost option, you know? So I was really liking that. I believe as we get further into the season, we will definitely see multiple like brick and bottle moments even they won't be like no one's going to be collecting them and putting them in the pack but do i think that we'll see tess or joel use a bottle yeah and slash a brick and do i believe that we'll probably get some kind of modded melee weapon that is kind of like like you would make in the game i do i also think that they translated the tension yes. of the clickers so well because like as we're about to get into so you can see the state house in the distance, but you're not quite there. You got a, you, you've gone through an office building. That's where you first meet them. They're terrifying. You can kind of sneak around them. We're about to head into like some, we got to climb outside the office building on this terrifying like window washing carriage. Then you're going to go into the subway. There's multiple different parts because this is a game and you want to get that yeah. long-term gameplay. But in the show, right. 
They That's just right. send you right into you, the museum right. because they know that they need to have that impact. And instead I, of the tension of you must craft something, the tension there just all comes from the cinematography I, and the hiding. I think that's exactly right. And and again, you, you know, people can have different opinions. About and the best thing is the game still art. exists. Yeah, the game. So you can still, still go and you can still craft and you can still experience that part. But I'm not sure as a viewer that the experience of watching our characters stop for 20 minutes to tape a Coke bottle onto a gun is like the best, most thrilling television like that you could watch. You want to watch them get right into it. Mm. Uh, and so I agree with you. They, they, I think all the changes they've made have been for the better. And I actually think, I mean, this is a conversation for another day, but I think one of the reefs, so to speak, that the uh, the ship of video game adaptations has crashed on over the years has been this idea that we need to translate the game to the to the we other medium. We need to translate the with, gameplay yeah, with fidelity, right? We need to like we mm-hmm. need to have that moment in Doom where all of a sudden the rock goes into POV first person and you see the gun. No, you don't need that. You don't. You, mm-hmm. you really don't need that to tell the story. The trio navigate to a window washing carriage still hanging from its cables after 20 years. Great visual uh, moment. Really fun moment. And then eventually to a subway station, which is just absolutely <laughs> fucking riddled with infected. You've got to be shooting some monsters in the head. Where, Actually, I guarantee you will die. You, you will, will die, die so here. many times. <laughs> but this does in, this introduces probably my favorite crafting thing, which I do believe we'll see in the show at one point, which is the Molotov cocktail. Yeah. And it's so cool because if you, when one you're in the subway, you learn how to make a Molotov cocktail and you collect the bits to make it as this game is very much about collecting, which kind of funny because it made me realize how much it's like a cozy game. It's like murder yeah. animal crossing. It's like you have to collect all the things to do your recipes. But when you have the Molotov cocktail, the best, most satisfying part of the programming of this game is that if you hit a clicker with it, it will draw any other clickers with its scream. Yeah. So you can kind of draw them and use it to sneak past. And I found that to be a very useful uh, technique. And that really first comes through in the subway. I'm excited to see if we'll see a version of the subway, this subway sequence. And then, you know, later on in the game, as we're going to talk about, they kind of go into subway again. I'll be interested to see if we get a subway setting in the show because it feels like it, it is quite a memorable part of the game, but there's so much to fit into this first season. It really is. Um, in the subway station, they find a body of a firefly. And th- at this point, our <laughs> heroes are beginning, How many are to, are beginning to wonder <laughs> if there are even going to be any fireflies at the drop-off point with Ellie. Uh, Tess leads the way. She gets them through a shortcut uh, through other ruins that take them to the place they need to go. Uh, Joel gets a, a, a one of those rolling garage doors open just in time to avoid you a horde of infected. Button. You gotta fucking be tapping you it. You gotta be holding. And here is where we get some fun modding. When If you're playing, you get to, now uh, you've probably unlocked some other modding um, perks by this point and uh, your mileage may vary again but you're probably making health you're probably modding your mm-hmm. weapons uh, Ellie tells Tess about how she was infected um, same as in the show she was hanging out uh, at the mall in the QZ no one's supposed to go in there um, but she got attacked by a runner not a clicker and in her panic she went to go see Marlene who rather than execute Ellie 
just decided to wait and see if the infection would take its course. Now, eventually our heroes find themselves in a museum and the building is fucked. It is an advanced it's decay. It's so scary. It it's is like really, really Resident scary. Evil energy. It is collapsing around them in, in different stages. Um, and a collapsing beam separates Joel from Tess and Ellie. And then you hear Tess scream, Joel, they're here. And then they run off. And who knows what's happening with them? Joel, you as Joel, the player as Joel, now has to fight uh, their way you know, through different infected, sneaking around them, fighting them when necessary. Um, to again, your mileage may vary. I don't know how good you are at the game, but I barely made it out several times. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, this yeah, was the funniest I, I, thing. I died that I many thought. times here. I was thinking a lot about like why they chose the museum because there's so many different segments that didn't make it in. But then I was thinking like, well, it took me a long time, and there's like a lot of strategy that you have to work out for like the runners and the clickers yeah. and kind of the time that they come in and the clickers in berserk mode and everything. And I was like, oh, this is in there because I know that no matter how good you are at games like this, you Googled how to get out of the museum 100%. at least once. Every single person who played this game did that. And by the way, here's another thing that hasn't been adapted for the television show. Joel's incredibly precise ability to hear where enemies are through walls. <laughs> oh, know? I love this. Yeah. He needs you know? to be doing this more in the game. He needs to be doing that more. Um, after the fight, Joel and Ellie share a moment uh, looking at the state house. You know, they're on the roof now. Uh, there's a f fresh sunrise. It's beautiful. Um, Tess is like, hey, let's get, let's fucking go, guys. Let's pick it up. Joel says, yes, ma'am. Uh, they come across more Firefly bodies. Now, one of them is carrying orders, which uh, you as the player can read, and indeed you should. They say, quote, ensure no military presence before moving the girl to the next safe house. And then scribbled in handwriting underneath the, the typed orders, quote, make sure the girl is well fed and in good health. Her safety is of the utmost importance. Now they're moving through Boston Commons, which is like a flooded swamp now, and eventually they get to the state house. They find all the fireflies dead. Tess searches the bodies, you know, hoping that there's a clue, a map, something that says where they're going so that they can finish this deal and get the guns and all the, you know, who knows what else. Uh, you know, where's that lab? Ellie just says somewhere out west. She doesn't know. Tess and Joel now argue. And just like in episode two, Tess reveals that she has been bitten somewhere in the museum during that fight. Oops, right? She says. Tess grabs Ellie's arm, rolls Ellie's sleeve up, shows it to Joel and says, look, that's a three-week-old bite versus my mm -hmm. bite from an hour ago. This is real. This is real, Joel. This is fucking real. You've got to get this girl to Tommy's. Um, and it's – so a truck of Fedra show up at this moment, but it's actually really interesting. I found myself wondering if that truck doesn't show up, mm -hmm. I kind of think Joel mm -hmm. says, no, I'm not going. Yeah, no, I think so too. I I think I think that Joel would have probably waited or he would have had to Tess would have had to shoot him or he would have had to shoot Tess. Like it was not he wasn't going to leave. Like this is this is just going to be another unrelenting loss. Yeah. I and I, I, I certainly yeah. don't think he escorts Ellie any further west. With mm -mm. Tess out of the picture, I think he goes back to the QZ and yeah. just decides to become an even 
more aggressive and dedicated murder smuggler criminal mm-hmm. um, to to kind of like numb the pain. Like you but said, I, he's the next Robert. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I certainly don't think he's going to be like, yeah, what the fuck? I'll take Ellie. I also think it's really interesting because that in that moment, that's the first time that we see Tess have hope. And it's just before she's about to die. She's like, this is real. Get this girl to Tommy's. Like, the implication there is like, you can fucking save the world. Like, this is the cure we've been waiting for. This is actually real. I feel like when they were making this show, I feel like Drugman and Mason and, and the crew, they were probably... That was the moment they probably took to expand on Tess's character because it yeah. feels so true to who she is in the show. And then we get this really interesting moment because, like you said, Fedra. I love that they changed this in the show to the infected. I think it's really affected. We, we've seen the evils of Fedra, but in the game, it is horrific. Tess spends her last moments begging Joel to take Ellie. And then when he does, and they exit the area, holding off the Fedra troops, um, she dies. In you the hear process. her screaming as you run away, yeah. and you hear them shooting her. So Joel takes Ellie through a door. And now you're on the other side of it, like in a in a large foyer or something. And Ellie is absolutely shocked that they left Tess. She can't mm-hmm. fucking believe it. She's like, "We left her to die." She had she's just met Tess and watched Tess commit. A murder. Mm-hmm. And it tells you a lot about Ellie. Again, we mentioned this in our previous episodes about the show and the game, how Ellie is the only person that you encounter in this world who actually cares about other people. And yeah, is and like, values why, life just baseline. Just baseline is like, we can't just leave her. I know she was infected, but we can't just leave her to die. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to remember that as we move towards the ending of The Last of Us game because everything we know about Ellie in this game is that she wants to help people. And if given the full information about how... She might be able to do that. How a cure could be developed from her, I think there's no question she says, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. No matter the cost, I will do it. And... It's important to remember that Joel never, like, he he's doing what Tess said here, but he's kind of forced into it. And at the end of the day, he kind of doesn't respect Ellie's agency as much as he loves her. He doesn't respect yeah. her point of view. X-Ray Vision will be back. Chapter One, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. And we're back. 
Joel and Ellie have to evade the Fedra to escape the State House and this uh, more fun action. It's here that uh, the player, as Joel, acquires the hunting rifle for the first time. Uh, yeah. And it's also here and that Ellie starts asking for a gun. Of course. <laughs> and also, like, this is the really this is the really head fuck moment, which is like you've just they've just killed Tess. So narratively and emotionally, you just want to kill all of the soldiers because you know that they just killed her. But you have to stealth to survive you them. To you cannot. It. You there is like a number of soldiers, and the, the only soldier you really, really have to physically kill is the one who's like guarding the door, so you can't get out. Otherwise, you can really stealth and occasionally, you know, strangle people. Are you killing them? You can decide. You, you can, can say decide. you're just you're just doing you a really good choke. They're they're yeah. just going to wake up, <laughs> but probably killing them. But like. It's really interesting because they set you up again to be in this emotional, angry state that Joel would be in, which is like, fuck them. They killed this one person who was my partner. And then the game's like, nah, nah, nah. If you want to survive and get out of this state house alive, you got to you got to just ignore them. You got to just focus on survival. It's so interesting. As they're escaping, they encounter a cloud of cordyceps Mm -hmm. spores and uh, Joel puts his gas mask on. Ellie just breathes it. Just breathes it. And if and if Joel was, <laughs> you know, had doubts before, surely they are now fading away because he is just watching her with his eyes, just breathing in spores that should yeah. cause her to be, get infected. There's absolutely zero effect. Um, they eventually get above ground. and Ellie tries to apologize for Tess. And Joel says, here's how this is going to play out. You don't talk about Tess ever. Matter of fact, we can just keep our histories to ourselves. Most importantly here, Joel stresses to Ellie, and she's heard this before, but now it's Joel's turn to tell her, that she can't tell anybody about her Mm -hmm. immunity because Mm – that will probably mean her death. And also, by the way, you got to do exactly what I say. You've never been out here before. You don't know what it's like. I do. It's going to end badly for you. Yeah. Just just do what I say. Joel – in need of a of a next move, a vehicle would be helpful, decides to steer them towards a town called Lincoln, uh, an independent town where Joel says, quote, someone owes him some favors. So they make the move to Lincoln through the woods, and Ellie is just reveling in nature and the in the in the emerald leaves. It's and so beautiful. Butterflies it's so it's like, such a juxtaposition to yeah. the kind of ruins. Even the overgrown ruins of Boston. This is just pure nature. And Ellie is so happy to be there. One of my like Pavlovian responses uh, to this game happens when I think of or hear like at Ellie laughing somewhere off on the map. Yeah. You know, you're playing, yeah. I've got headphones on, I'm playing as Joel, I'm looking at a thing or I'm scavenging and I hear Ellie kind of laugh and then you go over and she's looking at something beautiful. Yeah, giggling that she's never seen or before. singing yeah. or trying to teach herself how to whistle, which she's always doing and it sounds like she's turning into an infected. So Joel's <laughs> always really stressed about it. So it, there's one of these moments right here where you find Ellie kind of like, reveling in a swirl of actual fireflies, real fireflies. And then she says, sorry, I lost myself there for a moment. It's a wonderful, really magical moment. Um, now, apparently this town is inhabited by one guy. His, guy. his name is Bill. He lives somewhere in the town, which is riddled with booby traps all along the way. Now, they can see 
kind of a, a signal fire or something, you know, maybe half a mile, maybe three quarters of a mile into the town. And that's probably where Bill is. Um, there's a moment here where Joel and Ellie have to be briefly uh, separated, which is really fun. Now, on the way to Bill's, Joel tells Ellie about Tommy. He says that uh, Tommy is, I don't know, for, it's unclear at this point, like what his status with the fireflies is. Yeah, he was is. maybe a former firefly. Yeah. He was a firefly once. It's unclear, but he was there and that makes Joel believe that he'll know what to do with Ellie. Yeah, he, he's Tommy will know what to do. Uh, meanwhile, Ellie continues to, you know, communicate wonder about everything she's seeing. She they pass by like an old garden store. And yeah, and you can dig around and yeah, get crafting stuff. And yeah. Ellie just fucking loves garden gnomes. It's so cute. She <laughs> says, man, I had an art book filled with these. I always thought they were super cute. And then later she finds an arcade game. The yeah, turning. with like a cool like Wolverine style character yeah. on the front. At abandoned uh, pizza parlor and uh, he's like, well, did you play this? How, how do you know this game? She's like, no, but I had a friend that knew everything about this game. Apparently, there was a character called Angel Knives, whose <laughs> like Mortal Kombat-esque finisher combo was like a gut kick decapitation. And she's like, I wish I could play it. So as we noted, Bill's Town is just booby trapped to the gills. Landmines. Uh, Tripwires. Deadfalls. Dead the, the deadly tripwires. Yeah. He is a guy who knows how to acquire things, which has made him helpful to Joel and Tess in the past. And, of course, they're hopeful that he'll be helpful to them now. Here on a bread truck heading into the town, Joel finds a bow and arrow, which is extremely – is probably the thing I use the most mm -hmm. in the team. It's really good for headshots. Yeah, it's great, great, great. Oh, my God. Uh, as Saul said, a bread truck. Exclamation mark, exclamation yeah, mark, exclamation mark. Truck, folks. <laughs> it's bread. Don't, careful. <laughs> careful, and don't eat that bread. Ellie is like, hey, uh, I'm good with the bow and arrow. It turned out, by the way, for, you know, and uh, as the game progresses into the sequel that she is quite good at. Yeah, not uh, untrue. <laughs> not untrue. But, of course, Joel is certainly not ready to, uh, to trust this girl he just met with a deadly weapon that you know, will probably end up stuck out of his back if he gives mm -hmm. it to her. As they get closer to the smoke plume, Joel tells Ellie, uh, hey, just be, when we find Bill, just be chill. He, yeah, just be chill. He's <laughs> he's weird. He is not going to be trusting of strangers. Uh, you know, and he says, he closes by saying, you know, he's a good guy, but, you know, let me do the talking. Ellie agrees. Joel leads Ellie to what looks like an old mechanics garage, and cool. here is where <laughs> one of Bill's traps uh, uh, strikes with a really, really dangerous and cool effect. This is one of like kind of this is one of the most unique sequences action scenes yeah. in this game. It is really fun. So there's a loud bang, a rattle of chains, and next thing you know, you as Joel are upside down, hanging by your leg from the ceiling, ensnared in one of Bill's traps, anchored on the other side by a refrigerator. Uh, Joel is like, Ellie, get, get on top of the refrigerator and cut the rope and cut me off of this. Now, while Ellie is doing that, of course, the infected are coming. They've been bum, drawn bum, bum. by the sound and they are swarming everywhere. And so now you, as Joel, hanging upside down, <laughs> have to shoot these infected really as best you can with your limited yeah. and ammo. There's, and there's like, it starts off with runners who yep. you think you can deal with. And then the clickers come. You know, it is it is so intense. And you're pr Ellie's probably going to die a couple of times before you succeed. Oh, for sure. Even and if you're cutting, playing on easy. 
And folks, the cutting takes fucking for Ellie. It Cut does this because the, and there's two rope. sections. Yeah. First, she starts cutting it, and it kind of falls, to, and then she has to properly cut it, and that's when the clickers start, and you're really yeah. fucked. Like well, you, you're in trouble. And now the clickers are here, and the infected, the the uh, the fast ones are here, and they're chasing Ellie all around the fucking garage. Joel is is like, hey, hey, come over here, look at me, like doing his best to draw their attention and shoot them and reload. Finally, Ellie cuts the rope. Joel lands head first on the ground with an infected on top of him. And you're thinking, I'm getting ready to jam on this square, baby. I'm going to be hitting this square button. But the infected is killed and you look up and there is Bill. Uh, And it's, you know, Shades of 28 Days Later, yeah. that moment where they, chased by the infected, go into the apartment building. They're drawn mm-hmm. by the lights. They crawl to, like, the top of the stairs. And it's Brendan Gleeson in, like, a full butcher smock and, like, yeah, a gas mask. Yeah, and this mask. is, like, yeah. you have the gas mask and yeah. Bill has this long hair. He's going to be played by Nick Offerman in this series, which I think is a very exciting casting. So, yeah, it's it's a really good, scary moment. Like, you think there's relief, but it's it you're not really relieved. When you see him in the game, Bill is voiced by W. Earl Brown, who you might remember from Deadwood. Another classic. Fantastic show, Deadwood. Bill leads them to relative safely with the infected always just like a step behind and you're having to fight your way out now. Really fun segment. Um, Eventually you get to something like a safe house that's like a a brick building that's been kind of like reinforced with metal plates. Uh, Ellie is like, oh, man, thank you so much for for showing up when you did. uh, You know that you really saved our ass. And then before she can really even finish that, Bill has her handcuffed to a pipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's got his gun out and his he's gun like, is on He's like, who is this punk? Like, yeah, what is wrong is with it? you? Why would you bring her here? Uh, uh, now, honestly, fair play to Joel. Yeah. I would be pretty fucking paranoid too. Um, and, you know, Bill rightly says, hey, you come here. You come to my house. You set off all my traps. You damn near break my arm. What the fuck is going on? And who is this girl? Um Ellie's fierceness, which has been hinted at before in flashes during the game, uh, most notably that the, the first meeting of Joel and and Ellie, flashes now. She says, I'm none of your goddamn business and we're here because you owe Joel some favors and you can start by taking these things off. She means the hand. <laughs> and Bill is like, favors? What the fuck? What, uh, what favors could I possibly Oh, Joel. And here we get Joel's ask. And Joel's ask, honestly, is pretty. It's it's pretty shocking to hear. He's like, I need a car. He's like, hey, can I just have like a car? Not just the battery, just the whole car. Can I have a working Can I have a working car? A sure you don't need live a live battery and some gasoline. (laughs) Not too much to ask. Yeah, not Not too too much much to ask. Um, uh, Bill is like, first of all. If I had a working vehicle, why the fuck would I give it to you? And <laughs> to know, um, Ellie completely ignoring Joel's uh, earlier warning to like not get into it with Bill, gets into it with Bill. <laughs> and Joel has to be like, hey, oh, 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 and settle her down. Joel then notes, hey, there's a lot of like wrecked cars around here. Like, couldn't you? You're very handy, Bill. You could like assemble something. Uh, and Bill has that kind of know-how and he kind of comes around and decides to do it. He shows Joel and Ellie a map of his town showing important locations. He says, okay, here's what's going to happen. 
Joel, you, and Ellie, for all I care, I don't give a shit, gather the stuff that I need mm-hmm. from these places marked on the map and then bring it back and, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe I can put together something that runs. But after this, he says, I owe you nothing. And he gives Joel the handcuff key to unlock Ellie and he leads them through the booby trap town. Bill is like, where's Tess? You guys are thick as thieves usually. Where, where's she at? Joel's like, oh, you know, she, uh, she, she's not here. It was, and this is just a simple drop-off job. The stuff Bill needs is on the other side of his town. So the first place that we stop is the armory, which is a very useful area for the players because now you're restocking on ammo, mm-hmm. on fucking health, on shit, bricks, fucking pipes, Which wood. up until this point, you've only been able to do by shiving your way into yes. like random locked rooms. Which wastes one of your weapons that you really need to kill clickers. So it's it's a it's a double edged sword. But this is a great moment of of relief. Of there's they're really, lulling us into a false sense of security with some extra re- weapons. There's a great moment that tells you who Bill is. Right there's a, a there's an infected that has been ensnared mm-hmm. in one of his traps, and. Bill is just casually like, hey, you didn't answer my question about where Tess is while decapitating this infected, you know? So good. um, uh, There's another uh, here as they're moving through these kind of like dead vehicles in the middle of the street. There's another infected swarm that that you as the player have to fight off. Really fun moment. Um, And eventually uh, they get past that. Bill tells Joel about uh, why he chose this town. Because Joel is like, this is kind of, you're kind of vulnerable here, no? And Bill says, like, no, because the infected are really predictable. And he says, and this will be, you know, again, every zombie movie. Great foreshadowing. This is the, every zombie movie has this hypothesis. Bill says, quote, it's normal people who scare me. You of all people should understand that. And that's the, every 28 days later, fucking mm-hmm. uh, uh, Walking the dead, dead, the road, the which dead, isn't even, road. it's like yes. post-apocalyptic, but not yeah. zombies. But, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah. It's always the people that are the worry. This is a very interesting thing that he says. I think they do a really good job here of setting up some kind of history. Bill keeps asking where Tess is. Bill right. says, you should understand that. Bill kind of taught, there's this illusion of a history between Bill, Joel, and Tess that we know that they're going to expand on in the series. But here is just these really interesting illusions. Is he saying you of all should, people should understand that because humans did something terrible to Bill? Or is he saying it because Joel's a murderer? Like, yeah. it's a really interesting bit of writing. At the armory, Ellie, yet again, is like, hey. I need a gun. I Give me a, a gun. gun. <laughs> I'm ready for a Please, gun. Please, can I have a gun, sir? <laughs> Bill and Joel have a side conversation. Bill is like, hey, just... Quick FYI, like, I think that this is crazy what you're doing. Don't do it. <laughs> and, I, and I think you should take this girl back wherever the fuck you found her and leave her there. Again, interesting moment because, like, Bill is this kind of prepper survivalist who doesn't yeah. give a shit, who doesn't owe Joel anything, but then suddenly wants to share his insight into this relationship with Joel and give him this warning. It's so interesting. Um. Bill later tells Joel that, uh, you know, once upon a time he had a partner, someone he had to look after. I highly suspect that we're going to learn more about this in the show. Uh, this is this is all we kind of get of this in the game. And if the, if episodes one and two are any guide to the kind of philosophy that Mason and Druckmann have taken with this adaptation, it's that they're going to... Pull on these little threads that are left hanging in the video game narrative, and they're going to flesh them out. So I, I would not be surprised to see that. Um, but he says, 
you know, that slowed me down. Uh, being with another person, being attached to another person, it put me in danger. So and he doesn't really say what happened, but he's essentially says that he ditched this person. In what manner that ditching took place, we mm -hmm. don't know. I, again, I will assume that we were going to find out Sunday night. Um, Joel is like, okay, okay, enough lectures. I'll take a shotgun. He, he takes it. Bill then shows Joel how to make a nail bomb out of a soup can, which is a Very new wholesome, and wonderful something and you need. A fantastic <laughs> and useful recipe for Joel's crafting menu. And then Bill tells Joel where they're going. There's a Fedra truck on the other side of town. They used to come through here. They come through here regularly scavenging, looking for things. And uh, that Fedra squad was overrun by a horde of infected, and the truck is still there, and it probably still works. Probably still has a working battery, too, because it wasn't that long ago. Joel is like, okay, this might work. And the trio head off through a church, out a stained window toward the local high school in the Fedra truck, and we'll pick it up. In chapter three of our Last of Us video game. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And it feels like just the right place to stop because, again, uh, it feels like we're heading right into what's going to happen yeah. Sunday night. It feels, uh, yeah, I will say this is a very good point that we're at because you can listen to this without worrying that episode three will be spoiled for you. That's right. what I will say. This is, we are going to get that expansion Jason talked about. And oh boy, I can't wait to talk to you about that episode. <laughs> uh, up next, Nerd Out. In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or as you have so kindly been doing recently, sharing a theory with us. Elizabeth pitches us a theory about a location from the upcoming Quantumania movie. And I'm very glad Elizabeth sent this in because I know she has been very excited about this theory. And Jason, I'm going to let you read it because I think this one, I think this is a very astute suggestion. I think so, too. I think there's something to it. Morning, Rosie and Jason. Hello. Okay, so here it is. It starts with Quantumania. Uh, the media when they are in the quantum realm. She's talking about the shots from the trailer. It really reminded me of the TVA. You can pull both areas up and they aren't identical. But to me, it looks like the TVA is underground and the quantum realm is above ground. So here it is. The TVA and the quantum realm are the same place. Furthermore, there's a possibility that the TVA was set up in the quantum realm to contain Kang. And that's why he needs so much help to escape so from here, you can open up the ideas of like, is, the, is it the Illuminati who helped lock in Kang? The possibilities are endless. Enjoy. Elizabeth, I like this a lot. Yeah. I think that I think that there is something to it. I think that there's something to whatever it is that Loki unleashed, that was unleashed mm -hmm. at the end mm -hmm. of Loki. It created this branch universe where Kang is free quote unquote free and it would not surprise me at all if for instance when okay so when loki comes back at the end of uh, you know the very stinger of of the final episode of season one and we see the statue of king i bet you that takes place after ant-man and quantumania oh i love that that's that makes a lot of sense and i will say i i remember that I think that this visual nod that Elizabeth is seeing is not unintentional. Because do you remember when they went to the the world at the end of time, like where He Who Remains lives? Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, this kind of looks like 
you know, what we were, the, the quantum realm, the microverse, it yeah. looks like it could be in there. So I think there's a definite connection. I also think it would make sense that if Kang established the TVA in, you know, the timeline as we know it, the one version of Kang, that would mean that any Kang would have the knowledge to establish the TVA or maybe one of the Kangs who is trying to stop Kang the Conqueror, I, yeah. we're guessing, who's in the t who's in the quantum realm, could have established uh, a, ca a version in the TVA. I love your read that that, ver that Loki season two takes place after and that's what we're seeing because I want Kang to get out. Yeah, I want to I I see what... every Kang. I want to know where he is. And we just have to say here that I'm very happy to see people finally saying what I've been saying all along, that the Ten Rings are obviously in the Ant-Man and the Quantumania trailer. That looks like that yes. kind of thing. And also, can I just say, I know no one else is saying this, but I am saying it. I wrote an article about it. Please. Uh, Fastos obviously made the Ten Rings in Eternals. We saw it. It's the yes. same circle. Yes. Like there, yeah. there is a connection between these different artifacts. And we're going to find out. It's only a couple of weeks now. I can't, I can't believe wait. it. Just a I few weeks. Wait. Thank you, well, Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah, if you have theories or passions that you want to share, and we know you do, uh, you can always hit us up at x-ray at crooked.com. Instructions in the show notes, and then we'll read them out and talk about them, especially, you know, we love to hear a theory. So, yeah, so send them over. All right, that's it for our show today. Stay tuned for our continuing coverage of The Last of Us, the show and the game. And, of course, we're going to check in on The Bad Batch and other shows as they pop up. Rosie, plugs, 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 plugs. What do you have to plug? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram, Rosie Marks, M-A-R-X. I've been writing about Last of Us at IGN. I will have some really cool Ant-Man Quantumania stuff coming out. And obviously, you can hear me here because this is really now the home of most of my theories and my outrageous <laughs> tinfoil tin hat thoughts. So yeah, just check us out every Wednesday and Friday. Wow, double vision. So lucky. Catch the next episode on Wednesday, February 1st for more of The Last of Us on HBO. And remember, we're bringing you two, 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 two episodes two. a week. That's twice the everything else. Don't miss it <laughs> Wednesday and Friday in your podcast feed. And if you want to read a transcript of the show, they're posted beneath the show notes on the Crooked website for each episode within 48 hours of release. And do not forget, subscribe on YouTube where you can now watch full episodes of the show, including us in the Crooked studio together IRL. Please follow at XRVPod on Twitter and join our Discord. Lots of you have been joining. It's great. Tons of amazing people in there, fans it's of all kinds of media, all kinds of cool spaces in there to hang out. And me and Jason are in there. And if you're loving The Last of Us, we've been doing some really fun watch-alongs. Speaking of the Discord, in our Discord, we're giving away a really cool Last of Us activation pack. It is a Last of Us branded Carhartt backpack containing a Last of Us Carhartt jacket much like which is really cool where it's really cool a little toolkit so that you can craft your items and weapons a poster a qr code that allows you access to unique the last of us social media filters and more stuff in there it's really cool join our discord and head over to the giveaways channel to learn more and to sign up and we'll be doing a random draw next week in our discord 
to see who will receive that really cool Last of Us activation pack. Five-star reviews, five-star ratings, five, 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 five. We got to have them. We need them. We you love gotta, them. You got to give them to us. <laughs> you got to deliver them. <laughs> you got to do it. Here's one from Greenman. Always upbeat and fun. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is always upbeat and fun. The point of view is always why you should like a movie, TV show, comic, etc. And never tear it down. The hosts and guests have encyclopedic knowledge of geekdom, and it is fantastic to listen to. Thank Aww. you, Green Man. Thank you. That's definitely it. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, Ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.